1: Steve Rosenbloom. There was a keg stand. I lost to an eighty-one-year-old lady. She got off the <laughs> floor, and then and I was—it was really close.
2: Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like, like shot. Channel Two News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected
3: my dots and more to my plate. I'm gonna dunk his ass.
2: They suck. So you
0: don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the
1: WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this
2: show. And I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score.
1: We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning. Welcome in. It's Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Let's take roll. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arrieta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie man. Do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez.
2: Hey, you guys... I'm not gonna make anyway you guys suck And he, when when i got traded the next day oh welcome to the suck team toby oh my god this sucks
1: random bears fan review, we suck. terry Bors.
0: finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides i do
1: liam Hendricks. i wouldn't say seeking perfection it's just mainly trying not to suck Julie Swica. Man, that sucks. Wilson
2: Contreras. Lucy suck. I'll tell you that and, and That's all I can say.
1: George went! We had fun, uh, but there you go. I suck. Garth Algar Turn it off, man, turn it off! It's sucking my will to live! Steve Dahl. Deal score sucks! Deal score sucks! Mark Grody! what's up (laughs) (laughs) there he is he's on the show it's his show he's on this show i didn't know how you were
2: gonna go about that i was just told that i was gonna be on 11 and so i'm listening and i was like what's steve (laughs) gonna do is he gonna do the thing he's doing the thing is he gonna mention me and you did and here i am live
1: you are live we're broadcasting live
2: from the hyundai score
1: studios brought to you by your local hyundai dealers he is mark grody And Mark Grody is joining us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We have important matters to discuss. Mark Grody, have you figured out where Kyler Gordon is? (laughs) Uh,
2: Yes. I know exactly where Kyler. Well, right at this moment, I don't know. But I saw Kyler Gordon up front and personal Over the last three days that I was at the mini camp, he was there, he just wasn't participating. He was sitting on the sidelines wearing his uniform. Uh, no helmet, just wearing the Bears jersey, seemed to be moving around, talking to his teammates and being part of it in any way he can. I never noticed him receiving medical attention. I never saw him riding any of the stationary bikes that they have placed outside of Hallis Hall. So I, I while he could still be injured, like I don't know. It's possible. It's just not as detectable as other injuries if he is injured. Injured just just from looking at him and watching him and literally seeing him three days in a row. So I don't know exactly why he didn't participate in those three days. I suppose that that's something that we'll find out as we get closer to, to training camp. And hopefully he'll be participating in training camp.
1: Well, we don't know. But every time Matt Eberflus was asked about Kyler Gordon, he said, "You know, our core principle is hits." Yeah. I mean, he just he does he doesn't know how to answer. This looks really. Silly, but he's just not answering. Is that the case? Is that the reason we're all we're guessing now? And even you there watching him, we're guessing because the coach refuses to say. No one's saying.
2: Yeah, I I, I guess they have they have discretion with the media as to what they d- do are obligated or not obligated to say to us. And I guess they are not obligated during the mini camp to give us any specifics of any reasons anybody was gone. I actually thought that during the, I understood like the voluntary camps and the OTAs and that those guys should not necessarily be judged when they're not showing up or they're not participating or they're injured. It's like, okay, this is voluntary. This is, this, this actually is not our business, but I do wonder uh, I, I guess those are the rules that they don't have to during minicamp, but I, I had thought that some of that could be revealed to us, but not yet, not yet. No, they, it's top secret. It's top. You can't let
1: anybody know why. Carter and, and Kyler Gordon appears to be a a bit of a flat, potentially a flashpoint, and the reason for that, of course, is he was the highest pick, highest draft pick, the Bears in ryan poles first year so you got a rookie gm a rookie coach and here's your rookie cornerback who immediately displaced Jalen johnson a three-year pro with terrific cover skills and just which again a rookie mistake by a coach this seems to i don't know what to make of this but it just doesn't look good it looks when you have questions and you're wondering what is this it may not matter by the time a month later they get to training camp and you go okay it doesn't matter we don't even remember what happened but it just the series that the the coach and the general manager have had the Joby contract the Ryan Bates contract the demoting Jalen Johnson because well we've got a rookie here who's never taken an NFL snap and he's clearly ahead of the guy who has taken NFL snaps for three years. And then I, I get the idea of moving players around. I get the idea of moving the offensive line around. I Robert Quinn's not showing up. This, You want to explain or calm down, Bears fans, of why this shouldn't be viewed as a bit of chaos brought on by rookies in the two most important positions outside of quarterback on this football team?
2: I guess I could take it from that angle, and I will say that although you did mention all of the missteps, errors, whatever you want to call them, of, of Ryan Pohl so far, none of them have been whoppers. You know what I mean? What would have been worse? You know, Larry injured Larry Ogunjobi on this team or what happened with Larry Ogunjobi? He came to Hell's Hall. He failed the physical, and they were transparent. Yep, this, it happened. You know, like we always have the the formalities whenever we discuss uh, trades in any sport. Well, pending the physical, pending yep. the physical, and pending the physical got the Bears this time when it came to, to Larry Ogunjobi, and they were pretty upfront about it. And again, we're not talking about Warren Sapp you know what I mean? Like Larry Ogunjobi looks to be an ascending player, but not a superstar player necessarily. So, uh, if that you needed calming on him, there it is. The Ryan Bates thing, yeah, I mean that's that's a disappointment on the part of Ryan Poles. He admitted it and uh, said it was a bad day when they weren't able to get him. And same, he said the same thing essentially about the 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 Larry Ogunjobi thing. Um, so it like the the biggest concern I think right now, like of all those things that you mentioned probably is Kyler Gordon. Cause you know, that he is expected to be part of the core for the bears going forward. Um, you know, the, the Robert Quinn thing is interesting because while he was a no show at minicamp there wasn't necessarily or hasn't been any exact reasoning from his camp. We're not hearing from his side, this is a holdout and I'm demanding to be traded. One could definitely infer from what is going on with Robert Quinn that there is some discontent, whether on the part of Robert Quinn or the mm-hmm. Bears wanting to to trade him. I mean, this ain't what he signed up for. And it seems like, it feels like, and I've, I've said this now a couple times on the score, it feels like everything is being handled in a really adult way that if, if it is Robert Quinn's camp that's saying, Hey man, I, I'm 33 or however old he is. I got a couple of years left in me. I do not want to be part of a rebuild. I want to go play someplace where I can not only get 19 sacks, but I could also win. And I think that, a Ryan Poles would understand that. And B, Ryan Poles probably has in the back of his head, hell yeah, I want to trade this guy if I can get uh something good because this is where we are. This is where we are in the process. The Bears are rebuilding. That's what they are doing. They have knocked down, and now they have drafted, now they have signed, and this is the process of building it back up. So yeah, I just I don't think anything that of all those things that you said like are like massive missteps by any means they're just things that have occurred that definitely need to be talked about but they're not whoppers are they
1: no no no, they're not are they're i'm just connecting the dots and the okay. degree to which they're important individually is probably less in my view of that here's a here's a pattern and i'm looking at that wondering is this just going to be a whole bunch of missteps. and I also this I'm shaded. I'm shading this with the the bias that the whole hits thing and all the acronyms that Eberflus has just has me rolling my eyes, and I can imagine professional football players doing the same thing. But if he gets their attention, and if they have their track shoes when they show up to camp, and they take the ball away, then he could. He could write, he could do super fat supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and sing chim-chim-chim-chim-chirree. And as long as they take the ball away, that's fine. But I'm just connecting those dots. And then the, the latest one this week, what did you make of Byron Pringle's media performance? He was arrested for reckless driving and driving while his license was suspended doing donuts in a parking lot with a child in the car. And I don't know that I heard a lot of contrition. I didn't hear a lot of venom, though. I don't... What did you make of it? You were there. You heard it. You're part of the questioning. What?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I... I. You know, in these incidents, I'm not surprised because many times players will do their best to, obviously, to ward that off, that line of questioning, and they'll either have a prepared statement and then say, I'm not going to, you know, say any more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or they won't say anything. It's because they can say, Hey, this is, this is an ongoing thing. You know, uh, I'd rather not talk about it right now until there is complete closure in this and then be done with it. I mean, he, he should have known, had to have known that there would p- possibly be a couple questions about it. And so I, I think he handled it terribly, but I do think, yeah, he could have probably shown a little bit more control. just had something prepared, you know, just had something ready to go. And I, I will say this, that it was very interesting watching the the press conference that By- Byron Pringle is uh, the smiliest guy on the Bears because he was smiling the entire time. And I'm not saying like dur- during when we were talking about Um, his doing donuts. He was not like, I don't want to connect those two. Like he was laughing about it or something. I'm just saying his base face is to smile. And so that, that was the, the vibe that he was giving off the smiley vibe while even talking about something as serious as, you know, doing donuts in a parking lot or on a public road with a child in the back. Uh, seat of the car um so yeah it's it's interesting um yeah of course i think he could have handled it better but you know that now we move on and hope hopefully hopefully that's it for brian byron pringle in terms of things that we'll read about him other than football
1: yeah i don't know if he was uh badly coached or not taken to coaching i don't know if the bears tried to prep him Publicly for answering questions the way a good team should. And yeah. if they did and he didn't listen. I don't know which it is, but I just wondered what you thought of it. So, so uh, if you were to draw any conclusions, which is always dicey and pro- um, um, ill-advised after something like this. But if you were to, as we learn about the coach, the players, and the attitude around the team, the atmosphere around the team, if there were two salient things that jumped out, What were they? And if there weren't two salient things that jumped out, we could just move
2: along to Gary Grody's Father's Day. (laughs) I would say that the number one thing that jumped out is the offensive line and the shuffling that they're doing. And what I believe them when they say they are in the process of finding (laughs) the five best guys and that they may not actually know right now that, while they have been transparent in saying, yes, this is what we're doing. We're going to have these guys, you know, one day or for these OTAs, it's going to be Larry Borum at left tackle and Tevin Jenkins at right tackle. Um, then we're going to bring in Braxton Jones and put him at left tackle and have Larry Borum at right tackle. So, and and all the while, Tevin Jenkins is second strength, so he doesn't get any of his spots back with the first team for now. So, I do think that that is fascinating, and I do believe that they are still, like, I don't think that they have in their heads exactly what... They're starting 5R. I think that they, obviously there's a pretty close idea, but I don't think they're there yet. So that that's going to be really interesting to watch in training camp because it's every day, and we'll be out there watching every day. They're not just these intermittent OTAs or mini camps, and we'll see it all, and it'll be very interesting to see what alignment they come up with once they are you know, into that first preseason game. That's going to be really fun to Yeah, you're going to gonna need one. You're gonna hey. need
1: one by the first preseason game. So, what's Gary Grody's Father's Day gonna be?
2: Well, well, first before we get to Gary Grody's Father's oh. Day, let me let me tell you about today because then this will lead into Father's Day somehow. I'll make it lead into Father's Day. <laughs> Radio <laughs> Pro that he is. Steve, I'm going to the Cubs game today, and I am going with my my brothers, Paul of the Grodys and Brian of the Grodys, and. Mm-hmm. We are also going with these uh, street toughs we grew up with in street the Western Tuff. suburbs. Yeah. yeah um Doyle's, the, the Doyles, the, the Doyle family. There's kids we grew up with and that we just like ran with. And we've been going to games like, I don't know, since I was like in sixth grade, maybe. I don't even, maybe younger, like with this group. And today is our day. Today is our day in the sun of Wrigley Field. So there will be a reunion. And then tomorrow – there will be a big party for Gary Grody because not only is Gary is obviously Gary Grody has a birthday tomorrow, uh, June 19th. Oh my God. Did not know. Which is a pain in the butt because now it's like double gifts, double like admiration. Like it just has to be, so much about him, and not just <laughs> if it's not Father's Day. Oh, we got to come birthday. at you with the birthday candles Day. now. Oh, you're a great dad. Oh, yeah, you do everything perfect. Yeah, right. Oh, now it's now it's your birthday. Here's some golf clubs. Oh, yeah. So okay, so you might want
1: to seek some therapy over over that resentment that you've been harboring. <laughs> maybe maybe try it before you, you arrive tomorrow and start belittling your father for. We're
2: being born on a date when we're <laughs> Father's oh, day we're celebrating. Oh, so it's all about you. Okay, <laughs> that's right. All right. No, <laughs> it about... will all be about Gary Grodd. Hey, happy Father's Day to you too. Oh, thank you. Thank of course. You. I'm, 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 I'm sure. Day. Will Will the diva be making a trip in, or is she too ha- tangled up in Hollywood right now? She's yeah, she and her paramour are tangled
1: up in Hollywood. So I will hear from her, and I'll hear from Brandon and uh, and Emily. And so the, yeah, that'll all get done. And long it done. It's just not a big deal. It's okay. just sort okay. of a it's a function of human human procreation. That's what it is. I know it's not any great accomplishment. I, I hope
2: they treat it. you well. May you eat meat and drink good wine, because I know that's what you like to do.
1: They'll be there. That's it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So go have, go to the Cubs game, have a good time. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Bye. Appreciate bye Steve. It.
1: Yep. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. That's Mark. Mark Roddy covers the bears for the score and works every shift there is for the score. And speaking of new shifts on the score, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Starting Monday, score fans, listen to the score's new lineup. Mully and Haw kick off the day at 5.30 and they go till 10. Bonus, Mully and Haw. The new Bernstein at home show airs from 10 till 2. And then Parkins and Spiegel drive you home from 2 to 6.00. Cubs Baseball and Gabe Ramirez will handle nights starting at 6. It's all live. It's all local Chicago Chicagoland on the score and the Odyssey app. And on Monday at 9, Cubs President Jed Hoyer will join Molly and Haw. That's Monday at 9. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I want to. I, I, don't, I don't discuss golf much on this show. Um, but this is the weekend, this is like blood money weekend on the PGA Tour in World Golf. And so I want to discuss something about what happened, what's happening at the U.S. Open and certainly what's happening with the Saudi Arabia with the Live Tour and what really matters. And would you think differently of Phil Mickelson if he said, a particular, if he if he disclosed a particular truth. So we'll discuss that later. Thank you for joining me. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
3: It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
1: Hey, Caesar, you used to have my name in Saturday Suckage. Is this a clue that I should be? Is this a hint? I should be replaced soon? It's just going to be Saturday Suckage with random hosts? I'll, what do you um, know, I'll include
3: your name uh, from here on out if, if that's what you'd like.
1: Oh, you took it out? Not the. Not the we have different versions. We, guy. Have, it's
3: just, it's, we have different versions, is what it is, and I, that's the version I played. But I'll make sure I play the version with your name in it for you.
1: Don't you know that all talent is neurotic and paranoid and insecure? Don't you know that?
3: I know that. I do know that.
1: See? And you just let it happen. You're probably doing it for the, the vicarious, the joy, the. the idea of, well, let's just see how much blood this puts in his urine. Okay? I get it. So the um, U.S. Open is going on this weekend, U.S. Golf Open. Randall Chambly tweeted this. Through 36 holes, the best position by a live player, that's the Saudi Arabian blood money golf tour, the best position is 31st. In the first round, the live players were plus 54. Meanwhile, those who couldn't be bought are contending for the U.S. Open. There is no pillow so soft as a clear conscience. So, Randall Chambly blasted that 400 yards down the middle. And that's what this weekend was. Phil Mickelson didn't make the cut. He was the highest paid member, the, the guy who took the most Saudi blood money to play, pay for to play for that tour. Other play Dustin Johnson took 125 million. Now I don't know if they actually got the money. But Caesar, let me ask you a question. As you watched, you're gonna be a proxy for our 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 listeners and our our texters. I will give you our number 312-644-6767. You can text me. You can call me. Because the question, first question is this. First part of the discussion is this. As you watched Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson, all of them, Hamada, 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 refusing to answer the blood money questions, why are you taking money from people who financed 9-11, from people who killed journalists, from people who are totally without moral compass or conscience and then they were giving talking points and it was tweeted out the whole list of talking points they were supposed to use and it sounded so awful they looked so awful delivering it Caesar let me ask you this after what you heard this week would it have changed your opinion would you have any more respect for Phil Mickelson and the others in search of all that money if they said yeah we did it for the money of course we did. wouldn't you now? what else you got?
3: I think being upfront about it i mean just just be honest I mean uh, it maybe would have changed a little bit. the fact that you know they're they're talking around it and and trying to you know basically talk like politicians answer questions, you know uh being more upfront and just saying what happened, yeah, we took the money. I think maybe would have changed a lot of people's opinions, yes,
1: well, they'd be telling the truth. It's generational money. My family's set up. My family's family. My family's family's family. They're set up for generations and generations. And that's what this is all about. Or some form of truth. I did it for the money. What else you got? Now, there would be other questions. But you certainly would have, if you cut to that chase, then you don't continue the embarrassment of what's going on. And you're simply a, a puppet For some of the world's most, some of the world's ugliest acts. Some of the most despicable people in the world. You're taking their money and you can say, yep, it's some revenge. I'm taking their money. Now what am I going to do with the money? Well, that's, you know what, I'm going to put this money into a, did any of the money go to a 9-11 foundation? I mean, I don't know that that would look, I don't know that people wouldn't see through it but might be a way to mitigate this if you're looking to mitigate it. Because what they're looking to mitigate is the current embarrassment and perhaps taking into consideration their legacy. And here, the, the legacy part of this is something I want to discuss because it gets thrown around a lot. It gets thrown around by the media a lot. And I think it's a, a contrivance. Whatever the legacy is going to be, whatever the legacy is going to be, whatever it is, and I never take it seriously unless a athlete, owner, coach, whatever it is, tells me, or we hear that person talk about what they want his or her legacy to be. I mean, just this week you saw Steve Kerr. I mean, he's a hero here. He's one of the. He looks like he still looks like Opie Taylor. He looks like Opie from Andy of Mainbury. And he's got nine rings now. Four as a coach of the Warriors. The latest, the most surprising one, was this week. He's got two with the Spurs and, of course, three with the Bulls during the second three-peat. And he hit a massive shot because, he, as he says, he had to bail Michael Jordan out again. He just doesn't seem like a guy who's worried about his legacy as he got off the plane yesterday and he told the gathering of the media, I, uh, I'm i not going to lie to you, I'm hungover. <laughs> And that's Steve Kerr. I love how real he is. I've never heard him talk about legacy. It just doesn't seem important to him, but it seems important for the media to assess that. And in this situation with with Mickelson, with Dustin Johnson, with whoever these whoever is taking the money, we we come across the legacy part of it. And I, I think it's a media hype because if you look at Dennis Savard. There is a a guy who was asked how he wanted to be remembered, which is a legacy kind of question. But he was asked this in the late 80s by the late great Tim Sassone of the Daily Herald, covered hockey forever for the Daily Herald. I remember Timmy telling me he wrote a story about Savard, and what he asked Savard was, how do you want to be remembered? And at this point, in the late 80s, Savard's answer was, I want to be remembered as the guy who scored a a lot of good-looking goals. And that's a very, it's an interesting answer and an immature answer when taken over the context of a life and a career. In the 80s, I will argue this forever, in in a decade in the NHL with Gretzky and Lemieux, Dennis Savard was the most electrifying player in the league. Period. No argument. You you have nothing else to come at me with. He was the most electrifying. But after you saw Dennis Savard grow and he got traded for Chelios and he went to Montreal and he got a Stanley Cup ring and he came back to Chicago as an as a as a better player, as less of a a showman and a guy who could play both ends, who did play both ends. And you saw him as a coach who was instrumental. And Patrick Kane will tell you he's instrumental in, in his, the start of his career. And then he was fired and the Blackhawks won a lot of Stanley Cups. Dennis Savard has a different kind of legacy. I don't know that he'd answer the question the same way. And, and that's why when an athlete tells me or a coach tells me, I want to hear it. And I put it into that kind of context and the idea of legacy, what's Michael Jordan's legacy? He went on to play for the Wizards. And he looked like a guy. Just He was getting up shots in the gym, and he just wanted he couldn't give it up, didn't want to give it up. And he came here, and he beat the Bulls on that horrible day for Chicago sports when the Jordan's Wizards beat the Bulls. And the Eagles came into Soldier Field and just destroyed Jim Miller and the Bears. And there you go. There's your Chicago sports weekend.
3: Well, Steve, Steve, I want to ask you, you know, you're talking about this, uh, you yourself as a parent, you know, I I really feel like, you know, as a parent, it's on you to, to tell your kids, you know, you're not supposed to look at these athletes as these shining examples of morality, you know, as these... Because I'm pretty sure the deeper you dig into any athlete or or any team, you're going to find players with ties that you're not going to like, or you know that they contributed to something that you didn't. You don't necessarily agree with. You My really, kids will tell you, you, know, you
1: I did that exactly. My kids will tell you that when I spoke to the classrooms, their classmates will tell you I did that exactly. And I did. Say, I did say this. I, I the athletes are not there to be admired for their ability in their chosen field. They are not to be. Like the Charles Barkley commercial said, I'm I'm not here to raise your kids.
3: Exactly, and it, it, I'm pretty sure Barkley's the same one who said it. I am not a role model, right? I'm not here to be a role model. I'm a professional athlete, so I really feel like it's on you when when dealing with maybe your own children or, or younger fans. You gotta point out to them, you know, that they're not there to be the shining example of morality. Of this is how you're supposed to behave in all aspects of life. This is how you're supposed to be. I mean, they are just professional athletes doing a job.
1: Right, and, and, and I've said that, and I've said, if you're going to idolize anybody, idolize your parents and your teachers. Um, teachers are the most unsung, unappreciated, underpaid, and necessary people we have in this world today, and I will defend that to the death. We need teachers, we need teachers to do what they do best. We need to provide them with the best situation, the best opportunity to do with it, and they are the most underpaid, underappreciated, most overlooked profession. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing what America does, where the money goes. And it goes to a ton of athletes and I realize they generate money and number one rule in life is follow the money. But I would I told my kids that, you know, idolize your parents and your teachers and leave the athletes to be what they are but we still talk legacies we still talk idols we still talk with jordan and you're you are dealing with that and whatever his legacy might or might not have been i don't know what he considers it and he'll just he's still going to be michael jordan he's jump man he's 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 there and yet he played for the wizards and okay and phil jackson and jordan and jackson share this phil jackson is his legacy is the winningest, most most crowned, most be-ringed coach in NBA history. And yet, when he and like Jordan now have gotten out of their element, when they colored outside the lines and tried to do what Jerry Krause did, the man they made fun of more than any other person. They failed miserably. I'm sure both of them have greater respect for Jerry Krause now, but... But they, Phil Jackson failed trying to turn the Knicks around and trying to resurrect them and then ran away screaming and oh my God, no. And he failed there. So, but still, what's his legacy? Depend. And maybe he doesn't even care. And that's my point. Where the media throws around the word legacy and we saw that thrown around. We heard that thrown around. We read it with the live tour and it just struck a with me that the idea of legacy is these guys are doing it for the money just admit it that's what happens and some textures are weighing in i'll get to the text uh we'll take a break and i'm i'll come back and you can mount your arguments i'm steve rosenblum this is saturday suckage chicago sports
2: radio 670 the score steve rosenblum it's saturday
3: suckage on 670 the score in odyssey station
1: there we go. There we go. Caesar, look at that. Look at that. That's like big-time stuff. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosen will be here on Saturday. Suckage, as the powerful voice said. Top of the hour, we will talk with Mon- Megan Montemurro, covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune, riding a one-game winning streak. And... wow, oh, there it is. Caesar, what have you got for us, Caesar?
3: We have Ken out in Kenosha. Wants to talk a little more about the uh, Saudi and golf thing we've been talking about.
1: Welcome, welcome, Ken. Welcome to the Score. How you, How doing? you
3: doing, Steve?
1: Oh, well, living, living the dream, as they say. Vaccinated, caffeinated. Are we yeah, vaccinated, caffeinated, animated, and soon to be self-medicated.
3: So I, I, I mean, I gotta love the double standards here. You know, Rory gets up and wants to slam Greg Norman and, and whatnot while he's wearing his Chinese swoosh on his shirt and his yep. hat. What well, is up me- with all that? I mean, liberals, you gotta love them. If it wasn't for double standards, I'd have none.
1: Ba-bump-bump. All right, thanks, Ken. Appreciate the political commentary. And it was a bringing up the idea of um, China's involvement and the NBA's involvement in China. And they would be... It, they're doing it for the money. I mean, that's what it is. Number one rule in life is follow the money. It's all about that. And the golfers haven't said it. The NBA doesn't really admit it. We're trying to grow the game, but that's code for, God, if you'll give us all this money, we're going to take it. And that's the way it goes. And the NBA and uh, the IOC especially, the IOC, World Soccer, uh, I mean, World World Olympics, groups and you know the FIFA, the kickball group, they're they'll wherever the money is, where they're as corrupt as anybody. They're as morally morally free, um, and they're not not weighed down by any kind of conscience. And it's all about the money. Those guys keep their jobs because they produce. And that's what it's about. And we're watching the NBA do this just like we're watching the golfers do this. And a texter asked, why is it okay for the USA to still do business with the Saudis by their Royal? We still do business with China. So does the NBA, LeBron LeBron James, for instance, please. Oh, it's a good point. I'm, I'm not saying this is the, I'm not saying the live tour is the only place that this, this kind of money grab happens. It happens to be the latest one and it's playing out on the world stage in our country today with the live tour and the blood money and some, some significant names from the golf tour as the USGA, as the, the, the weekend of the USGA is competed for. And you saw all these golfers try to hum and a hum a a Ralph crammed in their way through this. And I simply asked the question if they just admitted the truth, I did this for the money. And somebody said they don't have to say that. It's not the truth. It's just phil Phil's already got generational money. We know what he's earned. We don't know what he still has. We know he's got a gambling issue. Gambling issue can rob you of millions and billions if you have millions and billions to gamble with. and you start feeling like you're bulletproof. and that whole the the Oh, the kaleidoscope of being a gambler and being smarter than the room, and I've got this, and I could do this, and then chasing, and so we know what Phil kind of money Phil has won. We know uh, we have an idea what sponsors paid him. All the sponsors are backed away in droves now, and it's not just him. I'm just using him as an example because he got paid the most. He got two hundred million dollars. We don't know what. If there's a gambling debt, we don't know if somebody's knocking on his door. We don't know what he's staving off. It may not be as much as I think. It may not be as much as he's getting. It may be more. You don't know with gambling debts, and that would seem to be a reason. I, you know, well, I need the money. That's it. Yeah. Now what else you got? And you disarm the, you disarm the greatest moral outrage and I'm not saying I'm not using I'm not using moral outrage in a pejorative way I'm not meaning to but that's the way it happened because the people the players who went to the live tour be- came off like puppets they tried to make it um they tried to make it as though they were they were doing something for the good of i don't know what certainly not the good of humanity when you're aiding and abetting and sports washing despicable people and and people for whom murder is a whom disposing of bodies is a simple task and not one they give a second thought about there is no consideration for human life
3: so re- reading some of the articles i see a couple of the golfers use the whole grow the game excuse that they're trying right. to grow the game sure. of golf
1: right yeah cuz everybody's going to go over to Saudi countries to play golf. Okay, the whatever what well, we know that whatever the talking points were when they said them, we knew that there it was it was hollow. There was nothing there. It was as fraudulent as can be. They did it for the money. So here's something else. If these are, this is what happens when you have when people who are, and and even the golfers have admitted that what happened with Adnan Khashoggi. The journalist killed, ordered killed by the Saudis and as someone who railed against all the atrocities, and that's the way they deal with them. That's the way they do they had the money to get anyone they want, and they have the money to control anyone they want. If you're into those people for two hundred million dollars, what happens when you have no other doors? What if the USGA says to the live golfers, you're not playing in our events anymore. PGA says you're suspended. What if you're not allowed to play in the biggest tour in the world or the biggest tours in the world? You are only a prisoner of the Saudi tour, and they got you. And what if you're no use to them after a certain amount of time? What if you age out of being a name and a competitive golfer? Do they really need to keep paying you? I think we know how they deal with issues like that, don't we? And if you're in bed with these Saudi this all this Saudi money, do you really think that you're protected? Or do you think you become a prisoner? And when you become a prisoner, people with that kind of money and power and absolute Lack of conscience? I don't know. I'd kind of worry what might happen to me. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just a coward. Okay, that's it. I just wanted to bring that up, and I had some things to say, and that's golf's blood money weekend discussion. What I would like to do is change the topic back to the, to, to an old-school baseball game. Cubs did it yesterday. They now have established a new winning streak that stretches one game talk with megan montemuro who covers the cubs for the tribune saturday suckage. steve rosenblum thanks for listening chicago sports radio 670 the
0: score t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today